Hi, I'm Billy Barkhurst, and you're listening to a podcast where nostalgia comes alive. It's Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show. Roll it! Welcome to Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show, the podcast where nostalgia comes alive. Since July of 2021, Jake and his friends have interviewed professionals in the worlds of acting, directing, writing, puppeteering, and many more. Who will they be chatting with in this week's interview? Find out in this Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show episode. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show, where nostalgia comes alive. I'm your, I'm your host, Jake Deffenbaugh, and today is our, our co-host, Chris Bixby, and Matt Bingall. How are you guys doing? We're good. Hey, good, Jakey. How are you doing? That's great to hear. I'm doing great, as always. So, Chris, what do we have for today? So, our guest today, he uh, has puppeteered on numerous projects with Sesame Street, um, performed in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, uh... He puppeteered on the series uh, Seymour's Playhouse, uh, a bunch of other things that we're going to talk about. And here he is, Patrick Holmes. Patrick, happy to have you here. Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm uh, looking forward to this. Of course. Yeah, for we, are, sure. we, we are as well. Happy to have you here. Thank you. Yes. Of course. So in your own words, could you kind of uh, introduce yourself a little bit and what you do? Sure. Um, so my name is Patrick Holmes. I've uh, worked as a puppeteer. Um, I've done video, audio work. Um, in my undergrad, I studied photography and design. Um, in my master's degree, I acquired a, a master's in digital communications. And now I'm currently working at WSKG, which is a uh, NPR and PBS station in uh, the southern tier of New York. Nice. Awesome. What was your background like and how did you grow up? So um, <laughs> uh, at, my puppetry journey started pretty much when I was born. Um, at the time, there was puppets on television all over the place. I, I grew up around uh, Sesame Street, The Muppet Show, Romper Room, um, uh, The Great Space Coaster, um, I mean, if there was a puppet on TV, I was there. I was sitting down watching it because I was always curious about how they did that. What, you know, um, I knew that there was a performer there. I wasn't worried about ruining the magic of it. I wanted to know how it was done. Um, and I had a really supportive family about it, too. Uh, they really encouraged uh, my goofiness and puppets. Um, my mom made a little hairy monster puppet for me. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, and uh, we had a babysitter that uh, would crochet, um, and she crocheted a Kermit the Frog doll for me. Um, I had an, have an aunt that uh, uh, was living in Syracuse at the time, and my birthday was coming up, and I sent her a letter that I needed a scooter doll from the Muppets and so she oh. went out to the malls in Syracuse to try and find a, a scooter doll <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> and she did um uh -huh. yeah I mean like uh it, it was really great uh having you know that that support to uh you know really encourage us my fa my parents are both very funny people so we had you know comedy was a big thing in our house um I you know grew up with uh Saturday Night Live um, and my dad would let me watch the gong show. I don't know if you guys are familiar mm. with the gong show at all. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, um, I, my uncles are, were big three stooges fans. Um, and anything, I mean, and my aunt also who, uh, was, got me 
the scooter doll, she also um, was involved in communications and she kind of taught me through osmosis about television and movie making. Um, you know, there was always, she had this huge poster in her room of uh, clips from different old movies. So I always knew who like older actors were in older movies. Um, but yeah, and, and uh, I had, you know, as any Muppet puppet I could get at the time, uh, my dad even built a, a puppet rack for me. <laughs> so, oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I mean, just uh, we'd go to the library and any book on puppets and puppet making, you know, I would always take those out of the library as well. I used to take uh, Muppets and Men, uh, the Muppet Show book out of the library all the time as a kid. Yeah, so and uh, I had my first puppet show when I was probably four years old, five years old, and that was also a family affair. Um, any house uh, that I look at, I'm always looking for a puppet window. So that would be like a little window between a, a kitchen and a dining room or a kitchen and a living room. Mm-hmm. And I always called that the puppet window because that was where I had my first puppet show um, was at my aunt and uncle's house. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Nice. Yeah. That's great. Nice. Uh, that's cool. That's cool. So you 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 kind of touched up on it a little bit, but how did you first get into puppetry? Um, I mean, of course I would get um you know toys of them, uh, but like I remember being very tactful as a kid, so I was really interested in. in I, I had a <laughs> I had a blanket <laughs> that uh, was my wheat well, and you know I always like the feel of that, and I noticed that. And Sesame Street, like when they do a close up of Ernie and he's like investigating something or like you could see the fibers of the fabric. And I was always like, mm, what is that? What is that fabric? So I was always interested in how they were made, um, what, how things work, too. I mean, uh, I used to take apart my G.I. Joe's. Um, there was like a little screw in the back of them and I wouldn't screw them. And they were just held together by a rubber band, basically. And I was uh, always curious about how things worked. And um you know, that I think kind of, you know, progressed more and more into how to build a puppet. And, you know, it took a long time for me to figure that out. But, um, you know, that was, that was always a goal of mine. Even as a little kid, I was like, I want to know how to do this. I want to know how to make these things. I want to know how they, how they work. And, um, and it always just seemed like the Muppet performers were always having so much fun together. And I really, really um, liked that element too, that there was a, a, collaborative camaraderie between them and uh, it just looked like something you wanted to be a part of and so that was that was my inclinations towards it I mean I would even take you know I would turn anything into a puppet like if I was bored at like some dinner (laughs) I would take the edges of the 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 tablecloth and just start turning it into a little puppet and I was like oh this looks like something from Dark Crystal or something and Uh um, Mm. I would uh, you know in the yard, I would take leaves and turn them into fraggle hair, and you know, <laughs> that's, that's cool. <laughs> wow, nice. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Really cool. So, how did you begin working for Sesame Street? So, let me think. Um, there were um, at the time it was the early two thousands, and there was a good amount of shows in production at the time, and they were looking for. Um, additional backup performers um 
and it also kind of coincided with you know uh after uh undergrad i was doing some different kind of work uh and i was uh, also you know there was some loss in my family at the time too so it was a wake-up call that you know life is short i gotta pursue dreams that i, I want to pursue and um, I was like, I'm doing the puppets. <laughs> so mm -hmm. um, it, it kind of just uh, came to fruition through meeting people. You know, I started uh, doing work. Um, I would answer calls for student productions. You know, that was something that um, I would help out. Um, I, I got to work in the animatronic puppet for the first time. And, um, you know, I met people through these weird <laughs> um moments and you know one person led to another led to another and you know you just started meeting the people in the industry eventually um through uh, the o'neill puppetry conference have you heard of that oh yeah yes yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yes so that is like a training ground and it's you know you're you're teaching yourself how to do puppets in a new way and you're you're getting high level education uh and it's in a it's a crazy nice spot too in connecticut it's on you know it's on the beach <laughs> and there's, you're doing puppets up near the beach and wow yeah and um you know you're, you're working with you know the cream of the crop who are teaching you for a week-long session and you know different puppetry things and um you know just being at that spot and, and meeting people um you know you learn about you know things that are coming up auditions or you know workshops and you know occasionally sesame street will do a workshop and um you know it's kind of a a call for you know a whole lot of people to come in for a day or two or three and um you, you know they they teach you television puppetry and you work in teams and they, they see how you are you know working with other people and um you know, from there, your name is on the list, wherever that list is, who knows, but, <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, at that time, you know, there were other shows in production and, you know, they needed some additional backup Muppeteers, uh, Muppet performers, and, you know, just through persistence, I guess you could say, and, uh, you know, sometimes it's dumb luck and sometimes, you know, it, it's a, a thing of, being in the right place at the right time and uh, also studying and uh, you know where these opportunities are coming from so uh, you know that that was my first entry into Sesame Street was through the workshops basically nice long, long story long way to get there but yeah that's you know there, there's a lot of steps to get to to you know that next step so awesome and you mentioned you mentioned uh, the O'Neill uh, one of our previous guest uh pam arciero mm -hmm. he's the artistic director for the o'neill pam pam's wonderful pam yes. is the mom hello pam mm -hmm. yes she's yes. she's a, a a light in a in a <laughs> sea of darkness let me tell you she, yes, she, she is yes, she is she was yeah. wonderful um yes so so before getting to work on sesame what was your familiarity with the franchise i mean um I grew up with it, you know, it was, it was a constant in my life. I, I came from a time when there was still only four channels on the air, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I had, 
PBS, ABC, NBC, and CBS. We also, uh, so I grew up in Scranton, Pennsylvania, which um, is north of Philly. Um, and uh, we also got a New York station, WPIX Channel 11 from New York City. And that show, uh, that channel had a uh, locally produced show called The Magic Garden. Um, yeah. And mm-hmm. it was, yeah, so it was, it was uh, two women with, you know, long, they were like hippies that would play guitar and they would, you know, sing and tell stories and jokes. And there were puppets on that as well. So my afternoon as a little kid was yes, constant puppets and, and you know, puppets on TV. So, um, you know, that was, you know, it was just the way things were and I was just accustomed to it. So, you know, learning more about, um, Sesame Street, uh, knowing that it was educational, but it was also fun. And there was also, uh, you know, music and, and, you know, at the time too, it was an hour long show. So it really took up a chunk of my day. (laughs) 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 Definitely. So now growing up, who were some of your favorite uh, Sesame Street characters? Um, So Harry Monster was definitely. Oh, yes. Um, Uh, yes. Yeah. He he was such a, unique looking character like he i always felt like he was like the oldest brother on the block in a way like he seemed to be <laughs> older than the others and um and you know he had a, a different look you know his mouth the way it was shaped was different than the other characters and his nose was different from other characters so i always gravitated towards him but um i gotta say big bird and oscar were also oh yeah in my, in my yeah. Book. um and the, you know, I knew that Carol Spinney was doing both of them, you know, as, as a child. And I was like, that's not, that can't be possible. Like, it took me a very long time <laughs> to say, yeah, I guess he is doing them both. Um, and I, I just loved Oscar in a trash can. Like, uh, any trash can in my neighborhood, I was like, is Oscar in there? Is Oscar in there? <laughs> you know? And that was the magic of it because there's trash cans right. everywhere. So, yeah, the Oscar's in there. It's got to be in one of them. One of yeah. them, exactly. <laughs> Definitely. And then, um, you know, I loved Big Bird. I think I really fell in love with Big Bird during the um, Christmas Eve on Sesame Street. Oh, it's amazing. Love that special. Amazing one special. of my absolute favorites. It's, it's so well written. It's so well acted. It's such a simple concept, too. Like, you know, how does Santa get down the chimney? Yeah, <laughs> and the the level of anxiety and insanity that Oscar throws into the whole neighborhood about <laughs> it's just it's a it's you know it's a time bomb you know poor poor Big Bird and and I love that he referenced his giblets and I love that he had the little uh, cold icicles hanging from his beak and uh, <laughs> yeah showed that you know this character is very dedicated to something so innocent. You know? Yeah, and that just mm-hmm. really was has always stuck with me. Oh yeah, yes. yeah. And it's funny yeah. that like Oscar is trying to find like where Big Bird and he's like, "It's me, Oscar." <laughs> <Come back." laughs> yeah. He calls yeah. him a dumb turkey, you know? <laughs> 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 you know. It's just for a kid like that is so funny because you know that what Big Bird is doing is lunacy, but as a kid, you're also like, yeah. I got to figure this out too. So that's, it was just, it's such a good story. It's such a good special. Absolutely. There's, there's one particular scene I remember from that 
It was uh oh god, it was when they were at the train station mm-hmm. as they were heading oh. back. <laughs> and Jakey, you know, and, and and Oscar just calls them all his names and they just don't hear it because the train goes exactly. Out. Yeah. That's <laughs> it was yeah. such a good moment, and you know, you want to know what he's saying, but you kind of don't want right, to. right. <laughs> you kind of don't exactly not not if not if you're a kid, maybe mm-hmm. you're an adult, maybe maybe. You you can you can figure some of that stuff out. Exactly. I was I was just gonna ask. Uh, other than the Christmas songs, did you did you have any other favorite Christmas uh, Christmas songs? God, I'm getting confused now. Did you have any favorite Sesame Street songs? Yes. Um. I I um. I always loved I Love Trash. Hmm. Um, yes. And then. Uh, I, if I can say it right, Abkadefki Jekyll Monocra Stuix, as I thought was mm, yeah. a very funny song. <laughs> they, they also had a, a disco album when I was a kid, and I mm-hmm. remember that being kind of eerie. I was like, ooh, this is like, what is this? <laughs> but, um, you know, and they did disco versions of C is for Cookie or, or whatever. But um, uh, there was also a sketch on the show that I loved as a kid. Um, it was very feminist and it was about women can do anything and um they could be doctors they could be you know whatever whatever and at yeah, one point yeah. there's an astronaut and she blasts off into space and you can see the bottom of the puppet and everything but like <laughs> that song was just so so fun to me um oh and then i think my absolute favorite though is there's a hole in the bucket dear liza dear liza that was probably one of my favorite bits on sesame street as well Oh, definitely so Great now songs. now actually uh working on sesame Street, you know what what was the overall feeling like getting to you know meet and work with everyone for the very first time it feels like the biggest responsibility <laughs> that you could ever imagine <laughs> that you but it's also a very magic place that you get to be a part of and it's like you have to carry this legacy but it's also like have fun with it too so it's very interesting dichotomy i would say and you know the people are so welcoming you know my first uh few jobs with it the first one was um an outreach video and um it wasn't on set um it was on location in a in a doctor's office you know uh this had something to do with about um you know, helping ease kids' worries about going to the doctor, and um, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, overcoming the sense of you know what this whole you know medical room is, and you know things like that. And um, it, most of the time, I was assisting uh, early on, and um, it's an important role. It really is because you're like, it's like you're mind melding with the the principal performer and and you have to like anticipate what they're going to be doing and um you know there's a real responsibility and that's you know falls into the responsibility aspect like you're, you're in this you know space where it's responsibility for a legacy and then you're having fun being part of the legacy but then you have responsibility again to be there for your fellow for performers and, mm-hmm. and then you get to have fun with your fellow performers so you know there's there's that dichotomy for sure that and it's just an excellent collaborative experience absolutely 
everybody is working together on, for the same outcome, which is amazing. Definitely. Absolutely. You, you mentioned the uh, disco versions. I actually have both of these uh, <laughs> disco oh, albums. Yeah. That's Sesame it. Disco yep. and Sesame Street Fever. Yes, this mm-hmm. is a these are vinyl records, folks, for you youngins. Uh, yeah, I've I've had these for years, and these are honestly some of my favorite Sesame Street albums. Oh, great! Both of them are just amazing. They get um, to go in and give you a good vibe. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yes, yes. absolutely. Really a, a lot of the Sesame Street albums do. Mm-hmm. A lot mm-hmm. of them do. So for now, working with Sesame Street, you worked on one of their home videos, kids' mm-hmm. favorite country songs. What yes, was it they, like working on that? That that okay. So that was a very scary moment for me <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> I had this cute little pink whatnot anything Muppet, and you know it, it was just you know the simple back and forth, right, left, right, left, and for whatever reason, my brain always adds its a. a additional beat into things and so i would you know do right left right left and then go right right left left or something you know and and (laughs) the director it was like oh everything looks great uh pinky uh get in rhythm (laughs) 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 so you know that was uh but i mean that was a a really fun shoot like the music was great um oh yeah um, yeah, that, I, I had a very good time on that. That's a good one. And you also got to work on the uh, TV Christmas special, almost Christmas Countdown. What was it like getting to work on that? That's an amazing special. Oh, that, yes. Okay, so we did, I didn't know what I would necessarily be doing. Um, you know, each day was a different guest star sh- segment. And um, and I would uh, crash at my friend's apartment in Queens. They live not too far from the studio. So I would, you know, stay with them they're both named jonathan and then they had a third roommate named jonathan (laughs) (laughs) that's funny wow yeah which Um, one (laughs) yeah (laughs) and um so i get to i i I come up from scranton and i'm you know at their couch and i'm you know unwinding and i get a text from someone and they were like oh we're working with jennifer hudson tomorrow and i almost fell off the couch i was like we're working with jennifer hudson what like that that was amazing to me. Like, what? <laughs> I, didn't that. I was like, oh, I'm just going to be another Pinky Monster throwing off the beat, you know. <laughs> but it was like one of those things. It, it was one of those. It was like a Muppet Show segment because. So she was like on a track, uh, or on a you know a race stage, and the 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 camera was tracking the whole time, and there was you know Muppet animals everywhere. And um, I was this little, I think it was a pink bird, actually, not a pink character. And it was a bird. And I was in front of her. And I was like, um, before they they brought her on set, like they had a scratch track, which was, you know, a, a track of the audio that was just a demo version of it. And so, you know, we're all like trying to, you know, figure out where we're supposed to be while the camera's tracking. You know, you have to kind of, it was, it was a, complex shot for you know something simple that it was just tracking um and you know we rehearsed i don't know three or four times and then they were like oh here's the real track and when you heard her voice come through these speakers i like everybody just like stopped it was like that's her voice like it was intense (laughs) (laughs) and um she does finally come down and she's super sweet super nice super like just mellow like i was like oh, 
she's Jennifer Hudson, you know, she's an Oscar winner. <laughs> and, and she's so nice. And, and, you know, we run through it a couple more times. And at one point, like I noticed, oh, she's wearing a pink dress. My bird is pink. And I said, oh, we're wearing the same outfit today. And she's like, what? Oh, because <laughs> 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 we were both in pink. And um, yeah, it was, but it was like a Muppet show moment because everybody, again, it's all about collaboration. Everybody's working together to make sure that this shot is great. And, you know, I think we did it three times and we we're up and it, it was so, so cool to do that. And then, um, and then I came back an, another day for the end. There's um, like this, it was like a cartoon version of the Sesame Street set. Yeah. Um, and it like great. rotated. Like it was, <laughs> so, yeah. um, and I was a, a, some random monster that was, you know, just back in the chorus, but like, I think if I remember correctly, another puppeteer named Andy Hayward, he was my character. Oh yeah, wow. oh, nice. uh, I love Andy. <laughs> it's actually we actually it's talked to him like Andy. a few like a couple days ago. So. Yeah. Oh good. He he was He's the wonderful. character I did. Like so I was like, so he I had to match his movements from you know how he was doing his character, you know, it, for just the background, you know, again, collaboration. You have to and and you know get it nice and right and make it pretty. So, yeah, it was it was a, a very fun shoot. Very fun. Nice. Certainly, certainly is another wonderful special that Sesame Street did. Oh, yeah. Now, Sesame Street's also been known for doing a lot of outreach projects. The two that you worked on were Learning is Everywhere and Here for You. Which, uh, which actually we just yes. watched before, which actually we just watched before we taped this. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Yeah, learning is really, everywhere. Really, really agree. Um, learning <laughs> is everywhere was a, a really fun shoot. Um, it was a small group of us. It was um, myself, um, Ryan Dillon, Kevin Clash, uh, Matt, and Leslie. And um, that was the first time I got a puppet of my own, quote unquote. <laughs> I think um, I did a scratch track to it, but I think Kevin loop the voice for it was a penguin later on mm. and um but you know that was like oh I, I'm, I'm being a penguin now <laughs> this is, you know, Muppet, Muppet penguins are also a big responsibility so <laughs> um, <laughs> but i also got to right hand for the count which was oh nice oh, wow. wow nice I mean that I was like, whoa, <laughs> this is right. <laughs> and they were like, and he does it like this, one, two, three. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. And so, you know, um, and I have a, a picture of, of of myself from that day. And I was I was like by the end of it, I was just so like, what have I gotten myself into? You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you could see, like, I was like, oh, <laughs> but no, I mean. <laughs> That, that was a, another oh oh i think um there was another puppeteer uh paul was there i think too that day um but yeah and, and uh, oh know, and paul Mc, McGin yeah. McGinnis. McGinnis, yes. McGinnis, yeah um so yeah i mean that, that was, it was that and what was interesting about that was shot on the sesame street set they were redoing the set at the time so it wasn't actually built on set mm -hmm. so it was just a you know, a blank canvas, basically. So it was almost like working in a uh, a limbo set in a way. Hmm. Hmm. 
Nice. And yeah, he, here, for, here for you is a good one too. I know that's the one you uh, mentioned earlier, the one where you were in a hospital. Mm -hmm. That one was a yeah. really good one. Oh, yes. Joey mm -hmm. Massarino. Oh my gosh. You did. Uh, yeah. Great for Chester. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and, you know, and, and Danny. Oh yeah, the the kid, yeah. the kid, the kid in there that talked to Elmo in that one scene. That was I, that was so sweet. And he hung out a lot of the time too. And you know, it was like it's that thing where you're like, oh, this is why we're doing it. You know, that that really struck me that these are the reasons why we do it is for you know for kids out there that are in certain situations. So you also um um perform performing for the Macy's Thanksgiving Day parades. What was it like performing for those parades? Uh, that was wild. Okay. So my parents' house um, was going through some renovations at the time because it had been flooded and walls were down everywhere and it was Thanksgiving. And I was like, well, we're not sure if we're actually going to have dinner. Why don't you guys all come along? And they were like, oh, okay. So... Um, my mom booked us a hotel. Um, the, the meeting spot for the uh, the Macy's Parade is always at the same location near the uh, History Museum, the Natural History Museum. And we got a hotel room not too far from that, which the hotel was crazy because it was also going under renovations. And uh, there were stickers on doors, so you weren't even sure which hotel room was yours. The, the elevator was also under construction, so that was a, a, a crazy thing. So... You know, that was the night before, and I was like, okay, I got to go to bed early. I have to get up early tomorrow, you know, six-ish, seven-ish uh, the call time. And it's pretty cold that day, and it was some light rain. Yeah. And then as the day went on, the rain just kept coming and coming and coming, and it would not oh. stop raining. <laughs> oh, boy. Was... Yeah, we had those type of stories like that when we talked to Andy, too. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um... even, even as he said about like the inside, it kind of starts shaking. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I think water actually started pouring down so there's like two levels and like to get up to the second level there's like a ladder or stairs or something and the water was like pouring through that staircase and they could only take big bird outside for like five minutes at a time because his you know feathers could get ruined um and i i commend the people of new york city they were out in force though like they um you you could hear them cheering for sesame's float and and it, um Oh, and I got to perform Ernie for that. Um, wow, oh, nice! Yeah. And uh, that was mm. that puppet is a big puppet. <laughs> Let me tell you, um, he has uh, he had his winter coat on, so he was even bulkier than I think normally. And you know, I'm like, I know it's raining, and he, you know, he's usually sticking his head out one of the windows, so I was very concerned about uh, you know is that going to ruin him in any way? But that he was fine. Um, but um, the other part of this story is that since my family pretty much all came up to see the parade, um, 
they were chasing the float the whole time because they were on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> so, oh, oh no! And you, and you can, <laughs> no! <laughs> so they were only ever going to see the back of the float, and they were like, "Oh, we have to like that. You can't cross the street because it's all blocked off because of the, the parade." Oh, right, yeah. And oh, no. So they would take a subway, get off. They were like, you know, look around in the rain. Where's the float? Uh, oh, we have to go down another few blocks. Like they just kept, you know, playing catch up, and eventually near the end they did get to see the float. So that was at least. That, that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. At least. Yeah. Oh. Um, but no, I mean, like, what's weird about that too is that there is a delay on mm -hmm. yeah the monitors. Yeah. 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 Um, so that was something to get used to because you're, you know, as a puppeteer for television, you're trained, you know, watch the monitor, watch the monitor. Well, the monitor is not, you might be on monitor, but you're not doing the same thing at the same time. So that was, that was definitely a challenge and you just kind of got to make the best of it and keep that puppet active and happy and, and engaged and, you know, wave to the audience the whole time. Um, you know, so it was, uh, it, it was, it was a, a great moment. I, I, I really, loved every moment of that thanksgiving and um even afterwards in the uh lobby of the hotel there was a, a restaurant that we had uh a pre-thanksgiving dinner and then we got home back to pennsylvania and had a post-thanksgiving dinner and we have stories about chasing the sesame street float in the rain <laughs> <laughs> oh wow uh it's, it's amazing so in 2007 you hosted a sesame workshop with fellow muppet performer and previous guest of ours ryan dylan yes. and associate producer of sesame benjamin lemon can mm -hmm. you talk a bit about that workshop yeah um that was you know one of those things i think it got you know was out of the blue Ben was looking, you know, to do this and we did it in Asbury Park, New Jersey, which I don't know if you're familiar with Asbury Park. Um, it's where Springsteen plays, you know, that's where he got his start. And wow. yeah, yeah. And there's a, a bar club called the Stone Pony that, um, you know, is the landmark of, of Asbury Park. Hmm. And um, it was held in this hotel that was like this 1920s art deco it was a really cool hotel and i guess they were doing some sort of film uh festival i think it was a film festival and um i think our cutoff age was 12 years old so we were working with little kids showing them how to do monitor work and um what was really cool about that was and i, I kind of uh thank video games for this. They understood what this concept of puppeteering something and watching the monitor. I, I kind of got the sense that because they played video games, they knew what this part of your brain is supposed to do. And um, that was, you know, I asked them about that and I was like, you know, is it kind of like playing a video game? And they're like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. So that, that was kind of like the in. And then, you know, we had, just a whole bunch of little Muppets that we made, puppets I mean, that we made. Um, and then uh, I think we did it a second year too, if I'm not I might be mistaken. We did a couple, Ryan and I did a couple uh, workshops with kids and we nice. found that very, very mm -hmm. rewarding. That was, that was a lot of fun to, to kind of pass on what we know to a 
hopefully inspire the next generation. Definitely. Yeah, sure. Fantastic. Definitely. So um, now moving on to some of your other puppetry work, I, we talked about it briefly in your uh, introduction, but uh, Seymour's Playhouse, which you also worked on, it's another PBS show. What, what was it like working on that? That was a really fun show. The look of the puppets were a little bit more unique than, um, you know, a typical Muppet. Like they, they had a, a, a color coding to them. The group of people that was working on it was fantastic too. Like they, they were all in it. They were, again, collaboration and working with people that you can trust. And, and um, it, it, I think uh, I, I was a, a referee or something. I, I can't even remember everything I did. Um, but because it was a union job, like I, again, was a scratch track voice and one of the union puppeteers revoiced it afterwards, which, you know, that's, that's par for the course. That's fine. I'm not pressed about things like that. It, it's all about what the overall end result is. Uh, I also got to right hand Seymour, which Frankie Cordero, I think was playing at the time. Nice. I love Frankie. Yeah. Nice. And, um, yeah, it, it was, it was a real, um, you know, I don't want, I don't, it was real rough and tumble kind of uh, production. Like they were like, yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's get this done. And, you know, a really good spirit, which I, I really liked. Definitely. Yes. So you also worked on an outreach project for Make-A-Wish. Can you, can you talk about that? That was, uh, if, if I remember correctly, this was in Philadelphia, correct? I think so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, what a weird experience this was. <laughs> so I am in, <laughs> in Pennsylvania. Philly is about two hours away um, from my hometown in Scranton. I'm now in uh, New York state. Um, but at the time, like they had me right-handing Elmo's dad. Um, oh okay yeah Aww. yeah wow. <laughs> for a live appearance i was like i've never done a live appearance before what what is this going to be like um and it was it almost felt like like a like a comic con or something like it was just a a, a hotel room full of kids and, and seeing elmo <laughs> it was uh, madness it was so fun <laughs> And, Aww. you know, afterwards, you know, they just, they did not stop meeting every child, which was unbelievable to me. Like, at one point, I was, like, right-handing Elmo's dad, but I was like, oh, no, I, let let them just go off and, and be crazy. Because it was just one of those things that you just kind of got to go with it. And, and the whole time, that's what it was. Um, yeah, that was... Uh, a very very memorable <laughs> moment for sure it's like a rock concert you know like yeah kids are like ah <laughs> yeah. definitely oh my. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> exactly yeah that's like that's like that's like any anywhere with elmo pretty much i know yeah I mean, kevin's in a lot of wonderful appearances with elmo oh yeah yes. absolutely you also got to puppeteer in a play called pigeonholed Written by Sesame Street writer and previous guest of ours, Annie Evans. Mm -hmm. Can first off, can you describe a little bit about what Pigeonhold is uh, for those yeah. who don't know? So yeah, Annie Evans uh, and Marty Robinson uh, worked together on this project. Um, 
it was kind of a I don't want to say adult, but it was kind of a, a mature look at the production of children's television. And it uh, had, you know, puppets that should not be performed on any show for kids, kind of a puppet thing. Like there was one puppet that was made out of like, his head was um, a, a salad strainer. And I, I swear, I swear he had like knives or something. It was like <laughs> just crazy, My- gorgeous puppet, gorgeous puppet. But um, initially, one of the things about Big Bird, there was talks when he was first being designed that the puppeteer was going to work backwards because Bird's legs bend backwards. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, you know, we should try to get that realism in this Big Bird puppet. And, and I guess insurance <laughs> came in and said, <laughs> you can't have it. You know, this is an insurance hazard. That's hazard right. pay, you know, so... So Marty made a bird puppet that walked backwards and that's what I got to do. <laughs> so, um, it was a, a big pigeon and it was a big bird-esque type of a, a character. Um, and, you know, one of my uh, entrances, my first entrance was a pratfall. So I'm, and it's a huge puppet. It was like the size of a, a dump truck. <laughs> it was so big. <laughs> And I'm walking backwards in this thing. The knees are bending the correct way for a bird, but for a puppeteer, uh, it, it was a wonderful challenge. Because as he's like, when he first presented, you know, this project, it was part of the O'Neill uh, conference, and you knew who, what projects you were going to be working on. And when he said, you know, all this about Big Bird being walking backwards as a puppet, and I was like, I knew that story, and I was like, you know. I want to be that person that, you know, that's why I'm here at this conference to really push my boundaries. So um, he uh, was just a big pigeon and you know, the head was backwards, the mouth was backwards and I had a monitor, um, but I had a pratfall the very first thing I did. So I'm falling and it looks like the bird is like in dire straits when it comes out on stage, but I'm at, you know, it was almost like as if I was just like kneeling down in a way. So that was the magic of puppetry there. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, it was it was a, a really fun experience um, to do some unsafe things with a puppet. <laughs> and I would, and I, I'm I'm really glad I have that feather in my cap for you know future <laughs> work. <laughs> I'm kind of wondering what's that what's that like doing that. So um, yeah, I mean the the monitor had a fixed uh camera so like i could see the whole stage so i know i'm walking backwards and what i'm watching is you know the bird walking forward so i you know i knew that that's my safe spaces were i knew where they were you know i knew where the chair was i knew where i think there was like a table or something so i knew where i can go um which was a, a real benefit that they kind of had a clear space for this character to walk around um he was a very light puppet uh he the inside of him was built with um like l200 foam the the fabric on him was also a very light foam so he's a very light puppet to to work in but the the front of his feet are the back of your heels so that was a little bit i think the most even just not even in uh looking at the monitor and like just wearing this costume you're like that was more jarring to me than anything was having feet going backwards on my feet. 
<laughs> so now most recently you puppeteered on the children's series monica's mixing bowl how, how did oh, that how did that come about that was a really fun project um it was uh again an independent project too um and one of the things that was really interesting they had a uh choreographer on set and mm. she understood dancers and she was working on being a choreographer for puppets in this instance so anytime like she would like know what her feet were doing she would like pretend you have feet on that puppet <laughs> doing it <laughs> and it was <laughs> and so I, I mean I have some rhythm so I understand I, I never took dance classes or anything like that but I understood what it was and like mm -hmm. when you're doing a puppet you know that you know the waist of the puppet is your elbow so what would your elbow be doing to match what you, the next phase of what your legs and feet might do in a movement mm -hmm. you know those, those so it was um, you know, kind of bringing more human movement into the puppets. And there were um, three siblings. It was um, a brother and two sisters. Um, and the music on the show was outstanding. I mean, it was, it was again, uh, some top talent working on something independent just to, to get it done and do it right. And um, there was a lot of laughs and a lot of fun and, um, yeah that was that was a really good good moment for sure nice so aside from performing puppets you also worked as a puppet wrangler on the series it's a big world can you talk a bit about working on that yeah so that was for they were in the last week i think of shooting and there was only a couple days left and uh someone had left and they pulled me in to to help wrangle and hmm. I'm thrilled that they did because I never saw puppetry like this before. It was a, the combination of Muppet and Boone Raku style puppets. Mm -hmm. It was yeah. all blue, it was all blue screen, mm -hmm. and you know, and I love the uh, you know, growing up with Star Wars and Star Trek and uh, sci-fi in general. Just having you know virtual backgrounds as a, a place to play a scene. I, uh, would have loved to have been able to work on the show you know a little bit more <laughs> um in some capacity but uh so high level like that was such a, a an interesting approach to doing television puppetry yeah um, bringing in you know digital and video and you know old styles of you know boon or is such an old way of puppeteering and it worked so well with these characters because they were yeah monkeys and sloths and turtles and birds mm -hmm. and, and, and the show yeah. wants to be more to like environmental kind of yeah, dish show, yeah. Which, I, you know, mm -hmm. which i like for having that type of show like that you know and there's, there's not a lot of shows like that mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. which and, and that's it that was you know the interesting part it was a show you know to get the uh concepts of you know how to be a, a good steward of the earth and it was using mm -hmm. such high level technology to do it it was it was such a such a cool uh, experience. Um, it, that shot in uh, Long Island, actually. So I had never oh, been. Oh wow! To Long yeah, Wayne, yeah, Wayne Scott's studio. Yeah, yeah. And it was in winter, so I was in Long Island in winter. You know, I'm not going to any beach anytime, and <laughs> it was <laughs> it was such a cool little spot. Like 
uh, like you wouldn't ever have thought that this incredible show was happening in you know this yeah. really sleepy summer town. You know, yeah, basically, yeah. And, and then you know, and it's, and it's interesting, you know, the Mitchell Kriegman who created that show also did create Bear in, in the Big Blue House before mm-hmm. you know, yes, it was existed. And I'm thinking Mitchell did a great job for what he wants the show to be. Mm-hmm. Definitely, you know, so definitely. So now, over the years, you've also built your own puppets and even facilitated a couple of your own uh, puppet and improv workshops. How did that kind of come into play? Um, so being in the puppet world, I wanted to, um, you know, like I said, when I was younger, I always wanted to know what how puppets were made, and that was my opportunity. I'm. I, felt like if I'm going to be a performer, I'd also like to, you know, have that option of, you know, opening up doors by being a builder as well. And um, getting to have um, a say in a way of, you know, hopefully pushing the design of a puppet towards some new and interesting ways. Um, And it was also a way to kind of, supplement any you know a puppet show might last you know only so long but a puppet build could you know go on for a longer period of time it was also something i could do out of my house you know um Mm -hmm. so i was i want i think the first i built my own you know just for myself and i was like oh i can see myself doing this for other people too as long as it was a good match and boy, did I find a good match. Um, it's an organization called Little Maestros out of New York City. And mm-hmm. at the time, um, it's a play, music-based playgroup for kids. And they write their own songs and they have classes uh, Monday, through probably, oh, probably every day, actually. And um, they, were, they had recorded a CD and um, on the CD cover, there were some puppets that uh, had been built already for them. And they wanted to expand their character base. They wanted to try and grow um, their brand uh, with characters. And uh, the owner of the company, her name is Marnie Connor, she uh, was looking for puppet builders. And I think, if I remember correctly, someone referred me to them. And I wish I could remember, but it was so long ago now. Um, And I was like, oh, okay. So I met with her. And she had amazing ideas for characters and that totally fit what puppets could do. <clears throat> One of the first puppets uh, that I built for her was a bargain genie. So he was a genie that lived in a soup can that had um, a, a newspaper for a turban and he would grant you wishes, but they were never always, they weren't necessarily quite on the mark. And I was like, oh, how am I going to build this? <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, she she and I would met and we, I would sketch up things. And then um, I went back and, you know, found um, materials to work with and, and ways to, to make it work. And uh, I did like image transfer onto uh, fabric to make the newspaper turban uh, because I was like, well, a, tur- a newspaper isn't going to last as a puppet. Like that will get ruined really really quickly and uh i made a, a soup can out of you know metallic looking fabric and you know I, I delivered it to them and they loved it and um that became a, a ongoing um 
collaboration uh, with them for a number of years. And, nice. uh, you know, yeah, it, it was, uh, and then, I mean, there was also other puppet building jobs within that, but, you know, that was, that was the first and it was off to a good start from there. Very nice. So you also worked as a costume dresser for some of the other children's icons, including the Teletubbies, specifically for their 10th anniversary PR campaign all throughout New York City. Yes. What was that like? That was the best job I've ever had. <laughs> really? <laughs> wow. That, um, that uh Joe Hennes from Tough Pigs. Do you know him? Uh, oh, yes. yes, of course. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. so. Yeah. He worked at, at Ragdoll, which was the production company for Teletubbies, mm-hmm. you know, at the time. Mm. And he contacted me and he was like, hey, I don't know if this is in your wheelhouse, but I thought you might like the gig anyway, because it's it sounds really crazy. <laughs> and <I was> like, <laughs> okay. He's like, they need a wrangler for the Teletubbies. And I was like, what? <laughs> I'm going to wrangle a Teletubby? <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh, I, initially, um, I stayed with him a couple days um, and going to work with him. And um, the, the first day of shooting, I met the other wranglers. They had two wranglers from the UK. And then uh, Michelle Hickey from Sesame Street was also uh, involved with it. Mm. And um, each of us had our own uh, Teletubby to dress. I was working on La La. Oh, nice. And, oh, which we previously yeah. interviewed Nikki Smedley. Oh, okay. So. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, so we were at uh, the train station in New York, and they were, like, laid out uh, on you know, on a, a platform where we were um, away from the crowds. And um, the first thing I did was, okay, so the the two uh, wranglers from the UK, so this is what we do. We The first thing we always do is we brush out the Teletubbies fur. And, you know, they have very, very thick fur, which I did not expect. And so we would, you know, brush that out every day and, you know, clean up any, their screens, sometimes the stitching would come undone. So I would have to fix up some of the stitching and then the performers would come out and get into the bodies and uh, you would help them put the foot on and they would wait until the very last moment is po- to put their heads on because those heads were so heavy. And um, when we were attaching the feet, uh, we would use these little uh, stick guns that, com- you know, pulled the, the cuff of the pant leg down over the, the, the shoe and um, oh. gloves on them and then you would have to walk them downstairs <laughs> um, and there's I think it was New York Daily News was there that's this day and they took a picture of me walking Lala down the stairs so I was in the newspaper <laughs> walking Lala <laughs> and then um, you know I was like okay this is what I've gotten myself into I'm, <laughs> I'm actually wrangling a, a, a teletubby it's not just dressing it was like protection like you wanted to make sure that they didn't fall trip uh their field of view was so low that you know you really had to guide them the whole time and you know that was a huge responsibility and it was a lot of fun 
because we all knew that this was crazy. <laughs> we all knew that what we were doing was going around to all of these different uh, locations throughout New York City with the Teletubbies. We were on a ferry going out to the uh, Statue of Liberty. We went to the Apollo Theater. We were on um, the Today Show. We were at, um, uh, there was a, uh, uh, in Union Square, there was a, a record store that was having a Teletubby day and there was a band that was, I, I don't even remember the name of the band. They were just emerging at the time, but they were huge Teletubby fans and they were performing for the Teletubbies and the Teletubbies were dancing um, with this band. And we went to Effio Schwartz at the time. Um, and one of the other um, elements of it was that it was um, I don't, I, I guess it was that um, an autism awareness element too, because they were finding that children with autism were responding very well to Teletubbies. And mm. um, F.A.O. Schwartz was kind of that magic moment because it, it was a whole bunch of kids standing around the Teletubbies and like, you know how sometimes kids might get a little scared around a big costume character. So, like they were yep. enamored. Right. It was, it was, so, I was like, Oh, again, this is why we're doing it. And, you know, that happens, you know, a, a lot in my puppetry careers. Like you get the real sense of, Oh, this is why we're doing it. Yeah. Yep. I, I used to, I used to be afraid of like those big characters when I was a little kid. So I, I know what that's mm -hmm. like. I know what it's like. Mm -hmm. I, I love them now, but I was petrified of them when I was, <laughs> was a kid. I was. I guess I guess because they were so big and I was so tiny, I guess, looking back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Teletubbies, it's it's a it's a really good series. It oh, was yeah. and it was it was so much fun. And like just to get to know the people behind it really made it a, a, an impression on me for the long haul they were a dedicated group of people that loved what they did and, and that was so rewarding ah definitely oh that, that's amazing mm -hmm. thank you for sharing that yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. so so moving on from puppetry you worked as a digital marketing specialist for a pen Foster group yeah. for several years. Can you yeah. talk a bit about your about your experience working? Yeah, Penn Pen Foster is a very interesting place. Um, it initially was called ICS, uh, International Correspondence Schools. And back in the 80s and 90s, do you know Sally Struthers from All in the Family? Oh, of course, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so she yeah. was the spokesperson um, for them and there some of those old videos are, are still out there on youtube of her do you want to make more money sure we all do and there would just be like this cascade of different majors that you could enroll in you know tv vcr repair bookkeeping uh, child daycare you know and uh but it was a way to educate people uh, who didn't have the time to go to class and um they could do it on their own time and uh, Penn Foster has since, you know, grown uh, leaps and bounds uh, since then. Um, they, they've had, uh, they've acquired a couple other schools and, and partnered with other schools now. And they're, I think, really making a difference, especially um, 
for high school, uh, people that uh, can't go through the regular high school system uh, or missed out on high school, uh, you know, th that's one of their um, big uh, push, you know, in education. So they make education accessible. Definitely. Awesome. Definitely. So you also worked for the improv comedy group. Here we are in Spain. Oh yes. What an what a name for an improv group. So <laughs> as a puppeteer, um, there's a lot of different skills that you want to uh kind of hone in on and, and get under your belt. Uh music, singing, art, photography, color. <clears throat> acting and uh i definitely list improv as one of the top things you need to do uh improv oh, yes. is a great way to uh build um collaboration camaraderie um it's a excellent way to uh understand how scenes are developed how scenes are built uh it also helps with character um you know and it's also about the forward forward momentum of of scene building like Anytime, if you were to do a, an improv scene and say, no, well, get off the stage. <laughs> you have to just keep plugging through. Uh, uh, um, yeah, so uh, this also happened in, in Scranton. Um, my uh, improv teacher, uh, his name was Chris Barnes. He um, had done some work on uh, Second City in Chicago. Uh, and then he was in LA for a long time. Um, and then he came back to his hometown, Scranton, and um, started a school, an improv school. And the, the teaching and the education uh, for improv that we got was outstanding. It was so good. And, um, you know, of course, when you go through an uh, improv classes, you tend to build relationships with different people. And... Um, the school started to change a little bit and, you know, some groups of us started to uh, have our own offshoots and uh, we did improv for a number of years and um, yeah. And it was a, an excellent <laughs> training ground and it was a, it's an excellent art form to uh, kind of hone other skills as well. So yeah, if, if uh, you're interested in puppetry, look into improv as well <laughs> absolutely oh yes I, as a puppeteer myself i cannot agree more mm -hmm. it's very important same, same here absolutely so now uh currently you mentioned um again in your introduction working with a uh, wskg and uh adc innovations how did uh how did you begin working for them so wskg is the um uh PBS NPR station in uh, Southern tier of New York and some parts of Pennsylvania. Um, part of going to, uh, I got my master's degree in digital communications and that covered, you know, things from marketing, digital marketing, digital, um, everything digital, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and it was uh, a, a excellent experience and that was through Syracuse Newhouse um, and uh, WSKG was uh, looking for someone to help with their website um, they had had a uh, 
WordPress website that was built, but wasn't fully built. And um, there was also um, an upcoming project between NPR, PBS, and member stations throughout the country of, of uh, creating a, a new website, um, CMS. So uh, I was hired to help kind of facilitate that process of migrating from the WordPress site onto these new platforms that were being developed. And through that, um, PBS is uh, very much, both NPR and PBS, you know, are education forward and um, PBS offers up um, uh, professional development um, for the entire system of PBS stations. And um, one of them that I did last year was a digital uh, immersion project. And through that, you kind of build a concept of a project that you might be able to bring into your station. And part of that was a digital studio. So we have television, we have radio, but we needed a place for digital to live at the station. And um, throughout the last few months, that was a big project that I've been kind of spearheading, uh, working with, you know, collaboration again, you know, it involved all different departments uh, to build this digital studio. And now we're able to spin up a, a podcast in a moment's notice. We can hold uh, political debates uh, for local elections. We can have news um, as a uh, digital first uh, platform, uh, YouTube or TikTok. Um, we can now also do, you know, sit down interviews with people um, in a digital space. So having a digital space in our station was really, really crucial um, because you know that what we're doing right now is digital. Of course. <laughs> um, you know, broadcast has its place for sure, but audiences experience content in very different ways now. And uh, WSKG, you know, was, wasn't as very much... Uh, uh, an advocate for digital spaces and it also helps uh, having this digital studio also helps open up um, more opportunities for the community to come in and kind of produce their own content that we can kind of help um, coach or you know facilitate um, you know the, there's uh, some possibilities in the near future with high schoolers doing their own podcasts and we would help coach them through the process nice yeah nice yeah, nice awesome so we've covered a lot of your past puppeting work but is there anything you're working on currently that you can share yeah i've uh i'll tell you i've been very happy with um just that there's still people out there trying to make puppetry um continue. And I've been very happy, you know, having access to fabrics like Fazel and uh, now this F3 fleece, you know, these new fleeces that are coming out uh, oh, yeah. are, that makes me very happy <laughs> because oh, you know, yeah, yeah uh, it's nice to see that there's still people out there that have the willingness to do that. And, um, and yeah. it's great to work with and, um, you know, just, um, I, I have hopes uh, of some, uh, you know, 
<laughs> mascot, if you will, for WSKG at some point. Um, that that would be, you know, that's on my to-do list <laughs> for sure, <laughs> you know. Um, wow. And uh, yeah, I'm still building puppets and, um, you know, I, I still, you know, love the art form. Well, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. As Dewey, as Dewey. Oh, yes. As Dewey. So what would you like to say to those who have supported the projects you've worked on over the years? Wow. What a nice question. I mean, mm. you, you can't do it all yourself, you know, and I, you know, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, for all the, the help and encouragement and, you know, people that, um, are there, you know, cheerleading you on and, um, you know, try to find those people in, in your own careers. Um, you know, the, there's yeah. sometimes there's some that are, you know, not the, the best fit and that's okay. Find the people that are the, the right fit. And you, you, you know, there's, there's a sense of intuition about, yeah, this is the right direction to go and, and people gel and, um, but yeah, so I, I just want to say thank you to everyone that's ever, <laughs> you know, <laughs> supported supported this work. Yes, yes of our, our, our pleasure. Our pleasure. So <laughs> if, if people would like to connect with you, where can people find you? I'm on uh, Instagram and uh, I'm still on Twitter <laughs> uh, and Facebook. Um, I don't post too much and... Um, it probably could uh i don't even know actually <laughs> <laughs> and uh um probably instagram is probably the easiest way to find me all right nice links uh, that will be in the description down below so yes. to, so since we're about to wrap up the last question that jake's about to ask is a question that we ask all of our guests at the end of each interview yes okay. so of course you know this podcast is called jake's happy nostalgia show yep so when you think of nostalgia, what do you think of, or how would you define the word nostalgia? Ooh, man, that's a good question. Nostalgia is um, respecting the things that you've overcome while um, acknowledging the good parts as well, because uh, sometimes mistakes aren't mistakes. They're just teaching moments. And uh, it, nostalgia is a whole collection of good and bad. And <laughs> take the good, take your bad, take them all, and there you have the facts of life. So that's uh, probably where my nostalgia lives, is that it's um, a very heartwarming spot. But... Uh, don't look at it with rose tinted glasses either. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Great, great, great words to end on. Well, Patrick, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. This is fun. Yes. yes. Thank you for thank doing you. this. This thank, is excellent. Yes, excellent of course. Work. And thank you thank so much you for, and thank you so much, you know, for what you've done to be a part of our lives and keep up your great work and cannot wait for what's, what's next for you. Awesome. Thank yes. you. Yes. Keep up awesome. the good work. Have a for good sure. night. Thank you. Thank yes, you. Thank you. You too. Yes. Keep in Take touch, care. Patrick. I'll let you know when this goes up. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye, Patrick. Take care. Bye. Bye. It's goodbye from us as well. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Uh, we absolutely enjoyed our time with Patrick Holmes. And until next time, what do we say, Jiggy? God damn, he did it again. Second time. Well, Jiggy! anyway. God.
I got this one for uh, Remember to keep nostalgia alive, folks. We'll see you next nostalgia time. Nostalgia alive. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to another wonderful Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show interview. Be sure to follow Jake and the crew on social media and stream the show wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And as always, remember to keep nostalgia alive. Bye-bye.